0: Amen. I love uh, Thanksgiving because it is a time, not just of family, but of food. I just love that, I tell you. In fact, I'm going to start eating today and just roll into Thursday. Just get going that way. But, you know, when you get invited to people's places, uh, it says something, doesn't it? One of the great desires in every person's life is to be on the inner ring, whatever that is. From the very time when we were a child... Hopefully at recess playing in grade school with the cool kids and then later to have the in crowd invite you to go out with them after prom Or when we grow up hanging around the movers and the shakers It's one of the great currents in all of our life. And the question is why? Well, when those that belong to the exclusive club invite us, we feel validated We think our life must be worth living because the cool people have invited us Well, the question is uh, does god have a vip club? Our drama team thinks so. Watch this. What is up, my man? So you're working the door tonight, huh? Yep. Every night. Yeah. So, what's that name again, huh? Is it, uh, Bruno? Pete. Are you on the list? Yeah, should be. Ricky Morrison. Nope. I might try into Richard. Uh uh-uh. uh. Might be under Morris. Not there. RJ? No. RJR? Sorry. Ricky Ricky Go Go. No. A Rickster? Nope. Rickaroo. How'd you, uh, hear about this club? One of the Flyers? Yeah, one of the Flyers. You didn't really read it, did you? Yeah, whatever, man. You know, I, I'm friends with the owner. Yeah, I doubt that. Oh, come on, hook me up, Pat. Pete. Right, come on, hook a brother up. You're not on the list, so there's no hooking up I can do. Brother. Uh, uh Tom Farley? Yeah, yeah. What took you so long? Oh, the, the line was just... Oh, no. You shouldn't be in that line. Yeah, Come on in. We got a nice table for you upstairs. <laughs> oh, Thanks. Hey, you know, if it's a dress code thing, I can get a tie. Oh, wait a second. Let me check. You with the tie. No. Hey. Susan Allison, we've been expecting you. Come on in. Thanks. She's on the list. Come on, man. You're killing me here. I'm not on the list, then that list is wrong. Look, I was at Heff's place last weekend. Hugh Hefner? What about P. Diddy? P. Whatie? Paris Hilton? We went to school together. School? (laughs) Get in line and wait. Hi, yes, I was actually already inside, and I left my purse. I just need to go inside. Nice try. Uh, My purse is in there. Well, then your purse must be on the list, because you are not, lady. Do you know who I am? Look, Pete, I think we got off on the wrong foot. Are you still here? Yeah, maybe we can come to a little understanding. Your money's no good here. Money's good everywhere. You just don't get it, do you, Slick? Nothing can get you in here if you aren't on this list. That guy? that guy is the way in. Hey, I know you. No, not you. Dwayne, right? What are you doing in that line? Come on in. keep take care of this guy. You got it, boss. Come on in. I can do this all night, forever. You know, you don't have to take that. There's a new club just opened on the street. They're letting everyone in. Everyone? It's huge. Yeah, one of the top DJs that used to work here opened up his own place. No cover, ladies drink free. supposed to be hot. Yeah, that suits me fine. (laughs) You can keep your list. I got a new party to go to. Sorry to hear that. And that's how gospel tracks are done at Bel Air, right there. If anyone's name was not found on the Lamb's book of life, they were not allowed in. Jesus tells a story when they ask him, what is life like? He said, there was a king who gave a marriage feast for his son. And after the guests at RSVP'd, he sent his servants to say, everything's ready. But the friends in the invites made lame excuses and didn't show up. In fact, some of them were so bothered, he kept asking, they killed his messengers. So the king, after he gave justice to those who refused him, said, my wedding is ready. Go and invite anybody you can find. And the wedding hall was filled with all sorts of characters, sinners and saints. End of story. Except for a little footnote. The king comes in and he sees a guy who crashed the party sitting in his work clothes. And so the king asks him what's he doing there and he's self-convicted. He know he snuck in. So he gets bounced with the others and the celebration cranks up. What in the world is Jesus talking about? He's talking about in life the very reason, Beller, that we have this mission three inescapable truths from this parable first of all the wedding banquet has begun second of all the king makes the list up who's invited not you and me and third the list can be refused the wedding banquet has begun it's only a little bit of a appetizer right now the real entree is on the way but the person and work of christ some of the joy of the banquet's available right now second of all god makes the list not you and I. And we are called to go invite people. But third, tragically, the list, the invitation can be refused. Refused not only in going and taking this gift. Why would you turn down a banquet from the king? But we can refuse to go out and miss out ourselves and invite others. And Bella, with this mission that we have in front of us, connecting together and working with other churches, we are to go into this crazy, wonderful, terrible city and invite everybody we can meet to come to this remarkable banquet. If you get your Bible. Let's turn back and take a look at that a little closer. Turn over to page eight hundred and three on Matthew twenty two. That the messianic banquet has begun. Palm Sunday has taken place. They have hailed him as the Messiah. The Romans are still in town, knocking the snot out of everybody. Corrupt officials are still leading the temple. What's changed? And Jesus tells this story. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. I mean, is that great? What is life like, they asked Jesus. You know what Jesus said? He says, it's like a wedding banquet. A wedding banquet. Don't you love weddings? I love to go to weddings and receptions, particularly when I'm not paying. I just love it. The food is great. Everybody's dressed up. They're all happy. All these dreams. And Jesus said, that is what life is like. And you go, seriously? Seriously? You go out here in the valley, or even on the west side, it is hardly a wedding banquet. There is so much pain and suffering going on in life. And God comes, and He comes in the midst of this and says, I understand what you're going through. I did a funeral a little bit ago over at Forest Lawn in Burbank, and I got there early I saw a man, a guy maybe in his 30s, just sitting there with these flowers standing over this grave. And he was just crying. I went over to him and told him I was a pastor. And he told me that his wife, who had been married just for two years, just died of leukemia. And they had, he had a six-month-old child now. Why, he said, why? Why would God do that? Why, Why would God allow that? I mean, for all the blessings that we have as we look here at this Thanksgiving table and we think of the wealth of America and the poorest of us compared to the grinding poverty overseas, are we so much more deserving, so much smarter, so much hardworking? How about people that live their whole lives with injustice? Some people just get hammered and hammered and hammered, not for doing wrong, but for doing the right thing. And someday every religion has to answer this question of, Theodicy is the big 50 cent word, the justice of God. Any religion or any philosophy worth its salt has to explain why isn't life enjoyable and why is there suffering? Whether it's secular Marxist theory, whether it is secular developmental psychology, whether it's Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, or Christianity, you all have to answer this question. Why is it going the way that it is? Well, it's interesting. If I were God, the question goes... If I were loving, I would want my creatures to be happy. And if I were powerful, I could pull it off. Well, we're hardly happy. So either God's not powerful or not loving. It looks like a closed case, as C.S. Lewis said. But then you realize, well, what does this mean? All of us need a real theology of fun, particularly as we get ready to go into the holidays. The word fun, "foon" in the English uh, English dictionary, does not really have a corresponding word in the Scriptures. There's three things that feel good in the scripture. Pleasure, happiness, and joy. Pleasure, hedon in the Greek, we get hedonistic from it. God in this marvelous physical creation gave us senses to have pleasure. And some things are so pleasing in life. Some things are not. Fruitcake would be one of those. But some things are just so pleasing. But this intensity, the, you know, the smell and the taste of a perfect cup of coffee with a donut, oh my goodness. <laughs> little Jewish boy, I'm sure you told you this, held up the sign of a star. David said, this is the sign of our faith. Little Catholic boy held up a crucifix. He goes, this is the sign of our faith. And a little Presbyterian boy held up a latte and a donut and said, these are the signs of our faith. <laughs> Together, but, but God made these things to be enjoyed. When you hear this great music or you see the beauty outside or... You smell fresh pine boughs or you watch a snow falling in a forest or a warm bed on a cold night or a hot shower. Pleasure is great. It's good for a side dish. It's a horrible entree. God gives us pleasure for many reasons, but if I gave you a bowl of spices, nutmeg, cinnamon, salt and pepper and poured milk on it and said, knock yourself out, you'd say that's horrible. And yet how many Americans do that? trouble about pleasure is not only is it self nullifying diminishing return the more you have you got to have a higher high a bigger kick but it leads us astray I remember back at uh my undergrad was in psych back at uh, Colorado State University back when the earth's crust was cooling the early 70s and back when we could perform vicious tricks on rats but I remember that you used to be able to put into their hypothalamus an electrode that's a pleasure center. And if this rat hits a lever in that cage, man, it feels like a buzz. You know what that rat will do when he figures it out? He will beat that thing till he passes out. Just totally addicted to it. How many of us I going mean, wake up in the morning because there's, we're so empty just looking for the next pleasure? Pleasure isn't bad in itself. I had a friend at one of my churches put on a like a $400, this was 10 years ago, $400 cotton Egyptian shirt and he put on a $2,000 suit and he got into his brand new BMW with the smell of the leather, just beautiful sitting there and he put in Jupiter, Mozart, Symphony and he took a gun and shot himself. All the pleasure in the world doesn't mean anything if you're empty on the inside. Solomon himself said, I sucked the find out the meaning of life vanity of vanities in ecclesiastes that he says so pleasure in itself is enough so we move to something called happiness what do every parent says i don't care what my child does just as long as they're happy what do we mean by that well the greek word is makarios it means blessed the thing about happiness if pleasure is physical happiness is mental and it really comes from you and i overcoming finitude is what philosophers say You being able to show that you are more than just a bag of desires and genes and glands out there. That you are something higher than that. Like when you start a business or you win a football game. Or when you take care of balancing your checkbook. I've heard of people that have actually done this. When you do that. Or when your children clean their room. I remember both times that ours did that. That there's this feeling of incredible, yeah! Or when you come in here or when you get ahead in life. That's good. The trouble with happiness is it's dependent on circumstances. Your team doesn't win. You don't get your job. And the happiest from achievement, you got to go higher, just like pleasure. It's called the success syndrome. Any of you who know very successful people, no matter what field it's at, the fear inside is, am I still validating myself? That's why after one success to the next, you know, one of the times of the greatest depression for athletes, and I know this from being a chaplain with the NFL and the NBA, is after a championship. Because afterwards, now you've got to, what do I do now? What do I move it up to? After you're on that big deal, even if you have a trophy family, and things are going, what do I need? And there's this drive, I've got to make myself better. Not bad in itself, but joy is what Christ is talking about at this banquet. In the midst of these pain and tears, joy is from the word charis. We get the word grace also from that. And as C.S. Lewis, I agree, he said that if you've ever had any of these, pleasure, happiness, or joy, you want them again. It's a good feeling. The difference is you can control pleasure and happiness. You can't control joy. It controls us. Have you ever been driving along and listening to some music or something, and you're thinking all of a sudden this feeling came over and you went like, Oh my goodness, life is great, it's wonderful. And then you turn around to grab it and it slips out of your hand. Or you're sitting there talking with somebody or maybe in a worship service, and you go, joy. And then as soon as you turn around, it's like grabbing the waves on the shore. It's just sand left in your hands. Because you and I don't create joy, it grabs us. And as the philosophers have said, theologians and Aquinas, it is the hunger for God. But this hunger is more pleasing than anything this world has to give. And Jesus says, and I can give you a banquet, a taste right now, a joy. I want to tell you the pleasure of the world is fun. Don't ever tell your kids that drugs aren't fun. If people tell you drugs aren't fun, they don't know how to do drugs. And they don't want to tell your children that sleeping around is going to say, sex outside of marriage is no good. Well, I don't know who you're sleeping with. But that's not true. And that's the hideous side of evil. And it leads us astray because if you tell them it's not fun, the moment they do it and they fun, they throw out the warning danger. It's going to come back and bite you and eat your lunch. And Christ says, I can come to you and give you a joy that shames the pleasure of the world. That's why he says it is a wedding banquet. You know, just like right now, you are not forcing air into your lungs. You know that. You can't stick air in your lungs unless you have an air hose down at the filling station. All you're doing with your diaphragm is you're making a vacuum that it fills in. You and I can't pull God down to heaven and give us the joy we want at the moment. We can make a landing zone for the Holy Spirit. And when you make those spaces in God, it follows. You ever watch a little puppy chase its tail? Is that insane? Just watch chasing, chasing. Old dogs who are smart go just kind of go, hey kid, just start walking and your tail will follow you. You chase happiness and chase it and chase it. You'll never catch it. You follow Christ. You forget about this happiness thing. And joy will follow right after it. Just like a tail after a dog. And Jesus is saying, the banquet has come. So the king comes and he invites all of his friends and all the friends. All right. And the king says, it's all ready. Let's go. And they they go, nah, nah. And they have reasons. The question is, are they good enough? One says, I go doing my business. Nothing a matter with a job or a business. In fact, I was talking with a gentleman this last uh, night, actually. He's in his mid-70s, and he asked him why he's still working, because this last year was so brutal in his business. He may not be able to make it. And he said, well, because that's what life's about. Literally, his whole life is about his career. That's all it is. Business isn't wrong. It's good to have a career or a job. It's wonderful. Unless you have to say no to the king for it. Another one said, I will go to my farm. That's code for my family. Families are great. We're going to celebrate this Thursday. I love my extended family. Two-thirds of them, I really like them. (laughs) And families are wonderful in a lot of ways. But if you make them God first in your life, it is not fair to them, and it's not fair to God or to yourself. If you love your family, you will put the Lord first. And then you can serve them and love them in ways that on our own strength we never could. So they they turn him down. They get so bugged that they kill a messenger. You say, well, I don't want to hurt God. I just want him to leave me alone. He's not going to do it. He's going to be in your face. He's going to push on you. He's going to keep coming at you and me until we say, you get out of my face. And even then he's going to keep saying, nope. Nope. Until finally at one moment, and we will watch, stunned, with tears in God's eyes, the successful rebels to the end at the great judgment will shake their fist in God's face and say, if that's the kind of God you are, I want nothing to do with you. And God will say sorrowfully, so be it. You want your eternity, you have it. But to the rest he says, come. And so the king went and he said, bring in all the people. And they all come in. All these characters, saints and sinners, just like any church. Healthy people, weird people, sick puppies, they're all gathered together. What's this thing about the king coming in and seeing some guy in a bad outfit going, all right, get out of here, bind him. Well, it's strange to us, but not to the first hearers of this parable. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Even Augustine in the year 400 speaks to understanding this. When you went to a wedding, whether in Palestine or in the Roman time, if you didn't have an outfit that looked wedding, they had them there available. It's one of the expenses of putting on a wedding. Hey, guys, you've all and I have all gone to restaurants where you didn't have a sport coat, and you put on that beautiful glow-in-the-dark red coat they give you. You know, it can kind of be used as a, a road cone later on because you need to have a sport coat on. Well, when the guy comes, the king comes in and says, "What are you doing here?" And he doesn't say anything. The whole idea is we come not in our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ, that is said in scripture time and time again, put on the new nature, the garment of God's righteousness. Our righteousness, Isaiah says, is as filthy rags in God's sight. The holiest one of us, the most self-righteous, hard-working, wonderful person, in the flesh, our self-righteousness, they're filthy rags in God's eyes. And all he's saying is, lose the soiled outfit and put this on, I offer it to you. You are invited to come just as you are, but you cannot come as you want. You come on my terms. And my terms are, you come to me for this idea of grace, and I give it to you. That's what this list is about. By the way, the word book really means scroll. There weren't books yet. The codex is one of the great inventions outside of the computer of storing time, having a book together. But these scrolls are opened up and whose name is written on that. And Jesus keeps talking and reminds them of this great love that he has for them. But the trouble is, you know what? We would rather be right than receive the riches of the King. Our twisted, swollen, sin-infected egos, rather than bend the knee, and this is just so spiritually psychotic, we would rather go down with the ship than live and say, Lord, I need your help. I have a pastor friend that was sharing, he was driving down in Atlanta, a good old boy, and he... uh, Got into the left turn lane, but there was cars there because he didn't realize he was supposed to get over. And so the back end of his car was sticking into the one lane, waiting for the left. Well, then the light went, and he went. Well, all of a sudden, he looked in his rearview mirror, and a, a Georgia state trooper was behind him, and those lights were on. Pulled him over. Said, you know, you were obstructing traffic, and he gave him a ticket. He said, isn't that like life? When I was kids, I got tickets for speeding. Now I get them for obstructing traffic. Well, he went and he looked and he went and he was curious about that. Is that really true? And he looked up state law and he found out obstructing traffic is not waiting to get into the right lane. It doesn't mean that. And he went and he researched and he said he got stacks of case law of where he was in the right. He couldn't wait for his day in court. He showed up. He said on a manila folder about six inches tall. And the judge asked him to approach the bench and the judge said... uh, The officer who wrote you that ticket no longer works for the department. Your uh, case is dismissed. (laughs) He said he was enraged. He went, no way. I'm going to win this thing. You're not about to dismiss this. And the judge says, it's dismissed. Get out of here. He's going, come on, come on. Is that crazy? The judge says, go, you're free. And he's upset. I am nuts. Isn't that like you and me? I mean, God says, here, you can have... No! It's all right. You're forgiven. It's in the past. No! He's saying, all right, whatever. He gives us this freedom. The great thing about life is like this wedding banquet of the sun is the messianic banquet has begun. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I have prepared a place for you, I will return. And I will take you to be with me because I love you that much. Do you know the joy of God? What makes God joyful? You and I do. We are the bride of Christ. And that someday that He's going to have us perfect and redeemed. Me and you. And what a banquet it will be. Four years and a half years ago when my oldest daughter Vanessa got married back in Colorado. And we invited everybody. And I remember it was great. We were gathered together. and. I mean, I was so moved. You know, like I always tell you, my grandmother was Jewish, so I tear up at things like that. And when they bring the bill, and when um, we were sitting there, and, and two of my friends, that had a, they were uh, actually working in the church, and that they had had a falling out, and but I, I said, "Would well, come to the wedding," and they came to my daughter's wedding, and because we had known them forever since Vanessa was born, and. And they hadn't talked to each other for two years, just saying mean things about each other, but they're at the wedding. They were like having a banquet, having a fun time, just forgetting about all that like it never happened. Someday we're going to be at this wedding banquet, more literal than you're sitting there right now, whether you're sitting here, whether you're sitting down at the bridge, more real than feeling that around you. And all the people that we have grievances and grudges, the people that really hurt us, at that moment, complete justice will have already taken place, complete forgiveness And we'll look back like that was a fight in grade school. What was that all over? There will be no more war or pain or death or tears or sorrow, it says in Revelation. But God says, I will make all things new and death itself will be an old memory. And as we are sitting there at the banquet, we are just called to invite people. You don't need to force them in. You don't need to trick them in. Just invite them to the king. Invite them to the banquet. God is the one that's on the list. You and I don't pick who gets invited. I'd like to think I can be there to advise Jesus, but rumors has it I won't. The Christ himself knows who is there and invites and keeps calling us in. And you don't need to talk him into loving them. He loves them more than you and I ever could. And we'll be sitting there someday, the wonder of the king's palace. I personally believe that it's going to be a physical meal. Jesus said to his disciples, I, will, I have longed to eat this meal. I will not eat with you again or drink of the cup until my Father's kingdom. Whatever a perfect body is, Jesus in his resurrection body, that though he can travel at the speed of thought, when he goes into this time-space continuum, he eats with them three different times It's recorded after Easter morning, which I just say, praise God. Is that great? And we will be there in the marriage feast of the Lamb, and as we are gathered, can you imagine the sound? I mean, I love hearing all of us sing. Can you even imagine God creating a being for the specific purpose of praising Him vocally? What it'll sound like. By the innumerable thousands and legions. And we'll be gathered there and are singing and we are sitting at table with our family and our friends in perfect bodies and celebrating. And as we catch passing the king's crystal by, a reflection of ourself, we will go, Oh my Lord, I'm beautiful. More beautiful than you've ever been. And then, the king himself, the risen Christ, will come walking in, and his angels bow, by the thousands before, the creator. He will walk over, to each of our tables, I believe. And embrace us. And you will feel those nail scarred hands. And smell his hair. And he will say welcome home. Enter into the joy of your master. And the real adventure will begin. All you and I need to do. Is say yes to the invite. You come in his clothes. And go invite everybody we meet. Amen? Let's pray, shall we? Lord, thank you that you have loved us in a way that we will never grasp for all eternity. The Lord forever and ever will be learning of how much you've had a joy in seeking us and caring for us. And someday you'll bring it to completion. Right now, if there are any of you that you've been aware of another voice besides mine speaking to you, And you know that it's an invitation to the King. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and opens the door, I will come and dine with they and they with me. All you have to say is, Lord, I don't understand this thing totally, but I believe that you are alive and I want to be ready for that day. I believe when you hung on that cross and you yelled, it is finished, that every dumb thing I've ever done or ever will do was paid for. I believe that you are coming back, Christ, and I take all I know of me and I I surrender to you, Lord. Come and take over my life. And if you do that right now, you will begin a joy that the world won't even come close to touching, and it will last forever and ever. Thank you, O great King. You are King this day. You hold the cosmos in your hand. It may look like the world's going wacky. It's going just as you said. And now, Lord, as we come before you and trusting you as your, not just your servants, not just your subjects, but your literal sons and daughters, we come with you with the joy of being able to celebrate. Lord, as we come with our offering, bless the gift and the giver alike that others may find out about the king. It's his party. For his sake we pray. Amen.